last week we talked about talked about love and grace. So number one that we believe as a church, we believe in love and grace, okay? Second thing is reconciliation and connection. And the third thing is truth and authenticity. So today I want to talk about reconciliation and connection and, and what that means. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there are, there are items that, uh, that people, this is where we're going to start, that people have that they are using improperly, okay? This is part of the uncovering if you will. For example, uh, how many of you have used a, uh, a butter knife to unscrew something? Yes. That's really, that's really not what it's for, right? You can use it that way. You can, you can use it to take out a screw, but it's actually meant for what? For putting butter on bread, maybe some peanut butter and some jelly. Is the, is the actual intended purpose, I know you're astounded by that, Eric. Uh, no? Okay. That's what the actual purpose is, okay? Um, but, uh, you know, that's something else that would be better used for a screwdriver, okay? So we've got, uh, how about a coffee maker in the South? In New York, I mean, we never really made a lot of tea, especially sweet tea. We didn't know what the stuff was. But uh, I know people in the South will use a coffee maker, and they'll put tea bags in there to make like a concentrate of tea. Has anybody ever done this before? Yeah? Okay, there's some of you are looking at me like I'm nuts, okay? But, um, and so there, if there's people that are tea drinkers and not coffee drinkers, they will literally use a coffee maker. In my certain opinion, this is not what that was intended for, okay? To make tea, okay? Um, how many of you have a... Maybe you do, maybe you don't, I don't know, but you've certainly seen people that do. A baseball bat, and, but the only purpose that you have it is you don't play baseball, but uh, rather you have it for protection or for a weapon. Am I crazy here? Anybody have one of those? Yeah. Okay, David does. All right. You don't play baseball? Yeah. But, it, you know, these, there are these things. How many of you use this thing? It's got a round front. It's heavy. It has this claw thing on the back. And you've used that to, to dig with, okay? It's actually a hammer. Uh, uh, it's actually a hammer? Yeah. There's these, there's these things like this, okay? My point is that you could probably use it for that purpose. You could use the back of a hammer to dig something, but that's really not what it's for. You can use a butter knife to, to take the screws out of something, but that's really not what it's for. You can use a coffee maker to, to make tea, but again, that's not really what it's for. There's things like that that can be used for multiple purposes. I can use this chair right here as a ladder, but that's really not what it's for. It's meant to be sat in, right? There are things that might have multiple purposes, but it's really important to understand something's true purpose to gather the richness of what it does, of what it's for. There are some things, there's probably some technology that you have in your house that you're just barely touching the surface of, too, right? You know, it's like, uh, some, for me, it's probably like my phone, you know? Um, and I use my phone primarily for texting and for making phone calls and, you know, email, that kind of stuff. 
But I guarantee you that the millennial gets a hold of that phone. They can say, hey, did you know you could do this and this, that, and the other? And your phone could just do all kinds of crazy things that you have no idea that it could do. You didn't know you could be so productive. You didn't know that if you, uh, you could actually send a contact to another person's phone or, you know, depending on what level of understanding you have. For some people, it could be just used to make a phone call, a text. And one of my favorite things on this phone is a flashlight. <laughs> yes, I use that all the time. But you're like, why would you spend all that money for something that you're using for just a couple of functions when it has all this grand richness to it? You're like, what's your point? One of the things that we're talking about today with this idea of reconciliation and connection, the reason that I'm using this illustration is because Christianity many times in our culture in particular has been boiled down to just heaven or hell, okay? Heaven or hell meaning that you, you're either saved or you're not saved. You either go to heaven when you die or hell when you die. In the South, that's typically what you hear or what people think about when they think about Christianity, that it's about where you go when you die. And if Christianity is simply just all about where you go when you die, it doesn't seem all that compelling, does it? It doesn't seem very exciting. It doesn't seem like, well, great, well, you know, I guess I'll think about that when I'm on my deathbed. You know, when, when, when I feel like my life is at a, at a risky point, maybe I'll consider thinking about Christianity. And that's, that's a real big problem. That's, this is something that needs to be uncovered because when you look at what Scripture has to say, when you look at what Jesus has to say, it's much bigger than that. In fact, we could argue about a lot of those points that I just made. And when we look at Scripture, it's so, so, so much more than where you go when you die. So we're going to talk about that. But, but the whole point of this that we get to, we do need to talk about reconciliation. Though. I want you to think through that because reconciliation, when we boil it down, really we're talking about salvation. But what is salvation? Salvation is this aspect of being reconciled with God. In its purest sense, essentially, there is something that happened a long time ago between us and God that's caused this distance. We, we think about the story of Adam and Eve. Where Adam and Eve sinned against God, and there was basically when, when somebody does something wrong to you, there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue that arises, and that issue causes a problem within the relationship. And in, and in general, that's what sin does in our life. Issues arise, and they cause distance. They cause trouble in relationships. If I was just a friend to Eric on Sunday mornings, but then when he wasn't around, I just talked about him to the community and said, you don't know the things I know about Eric and blah, 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 this, that, and the other. Shh, shh. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'll keep it down. There would arise issues. There would arise problems that would cause a distance. It would cause an issue in our relationship. 
if, in, if Eric and I were to remain friends, if we were to continue to talk to one another, if we, were gonna, if we can ever make it out kayaking, for example, you know, then there would have to be some kind of reconciliation that takes place. Eric, I'm sorry for the things that I said. I shouldn't have said that you're just this muscle-bound, huge hulk of a man. I really apologize for what you really are. I'm just kidding. He's like, see, Catherine, I told you. <clears throat> you know? Reconciliation is about relationships. Keep that thought in your head because we're going to come back to that. So let's think about reconciliation for a second, though. Seriously, in my life when I was a kid, and I've shared this story, I think, before, my, my best friend at the time, Io Della Stephenson, his name, we just called him Io for short, okay? Literally, uh, I remember one time, I don't know what it is about high school or not high school, middle school, maybe even elementary, I can't remember. You, I, I try to tend to forget these things. But I, I remember uh, Io had, there's this mentality in school that you're always seeming to try to get a better scenario and be, be with the cool kids. So somebody cooler comes along, you want to be in that group. At least I, we did for whatever reason in the school. I want to be with the cool kids. I want to be with those friends. And so Io had become friends with this other guy who decided for whatever reason that they wanted to beat me up. Have I told you this before? No, some of you haven't heard of this. All right, all right, good. So my supposed best friend carries, uh, somehow like jumps me when we're going through these, these part of the stairs in this hallway where no one else, can, teachers can see you, holds me against the wall while his buddy proceeds to beat me up, punch me in the stomach. This is my best friend, Aya. Okay? Now, all I remember is sitting in the principal's office with Io and my dad and his dad. I don't remember what exactly happened. But somehow along the way, Io and I must have reconciled because in high school we graduated together, best friends still, okay? Even after being held against the wall and beaten up, he was the one that held me down. How does that happen? How do you remain friends after something like that? Isn't there just those emotional scars, I'm never going to be friends with this person ever again. Is there someone in your life right now that you have written off? Tell me. I'm just kidding, because you're not going to tell me anyway. But if Iowa and I were going to remain friends, there had to be some point of reconciliation. My sister, when I was growing up, and I've probably shared this story as well, she was always the saver. I was always the one that spent everything. As soon as I had a, my dad would always say, money burns a hole in your pocket, right? Same thing with Easter candy. With the Easter candy, I would just scarf it down, and my sister would be like, have you eaten any of your candy? A little bit at a time, a little bit. Next thing you know, like the Easter bunny that she had left was in the freezer. I guess she was just saving it for a rainy day, which in New York was almost every day, you know? And I just remember being fed up and thinking, well, she's just forgotten about this bunny. And I remember taking it out of the freezer and eating her Easter bunny until she decided to go look for it whenever that rainy day was and then wanted to kill me. How could you do this and eat my, eat my candy? Why are you guys looking at each other? There's, there's, a, there's an interesting story here I must find out. 
Interesting. Something relatively small, but yet I still feel the angst of this. There's a little bit of bitterness over this Fifth Avenue bar. <laughs> This has been a few years? Wow. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It's a, I, but see here, this is great. This is a prime example. And so, you know, I don't remember the conversation, but at some point my sister and I reconciled. My dad and his and my aunt, you know, my dad and his sister, when they were kids, were crazy to each other. It's amazing to me that, that they're as close as they are because, you know, I, I hear stories of my dad and, um, and my aunt wrestling, and, like, she, like, took him and threw him over her shoulder through a wall, okay? I remember my, my dad had gotten a hold of one of her dolls and decided to um, light it on fire, and it was plastic, and so it... It melted, and he, I remember him saying, like, trying to cackle like the witch from The Wizard of Oz, melting, I'm melting, and, and, you know, and so it's like, you know, her favorite doll being thrown through the wall, still in the midst of all of that, there was some reconciliation that took place. You know, I, I, I kept trying to think of this, this week of different stories of reconciliation, and you know, what's really funny is that I've had a hard time remembering, which I think is a good thing, which I think is the point of reconciliation, right? Because true reconciliation, true forgiveness is, is, is like what we said that passage a moment ago, love keeps no record of wrongs. Those things are cast out, they're, they're thrown in the past. If you actually forgive someone, if you love someone, if you reconcile with them in order for true reconciliation to take place, that is a, is a thing of the past. Maybe God's given me a gift for those things of forgetfulness. But as he says, I have forgiven your sins and they're as far away as the east is from the west. They've been cast into the sea, he says, of forgetfulness. Those things are gone. But the whole point of reconciliation is that reconciliation is not just forgiveness. Reconciliation is about a relationship. Now we think about that with, with people that it's important that we reconcile so that the relationship continues, the relationship grows, that, that people are close together. And so when I say that our church believes in reconciliation and connection, it is that reconciliation with God so that there is a connection with God, a relationship with Him that grows, that stays strong, that keeps us close with Him. Reconciliation is about relationships, and, and that's key when we think about what Christianity truly is. I've heard someone say a long time ago that Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. Does that make sense? Because a religion is, you know, and this sounds 
silly, but, you know, with, with Dennis, we were talking about this last night, you know, I could um, learn all kinds of things about Dennis, like a bunch of facts, kind of like I have for the Cubs. I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan. I got the hat here today. I'm going to throw it on. I'm going to wear a hat in church. I'm one of the biggest faux pas in the South. Welcome to real life. I know all these facts about the Cubs, you know, first baseman, second baseman, this, that, and the other. I could tell you all these things. I could wear the T-shirts. I could watch it on TV. I could... I could sing the Cubs song. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are going to win. You want to sing with me? Go. I guess not. We're not fans. I could do all those things, right? People could ask me, how are the Cubs doing? Oh, they're really great. they got a winning record right now, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? I have never met Chris Bryant the third baseman for the Cubs. I've never met Anthony Rizzo, first first baseman for the Cubs. Javi Baez, who I'd love to meet, who is an incredible MVP star player who is a shortstop for the Cubs. I know all kinds of things about the Cubs. And, and for some people, that's what it is like with God. It's, this, it's a bunch of knowledge. Religion, religion is different than a relationship. Okay, it's, it's this honoring thing, it's this a knowledge thing, but there's a difference between religion, or um, knowing facts, if you will, and a relationship. I don't actually go and eat dinner with Javi Baez. I've never had the opportunity. Would I like to? Yeah. Would I like to actually know Javi Baez? Yeah. I don't know Joe Madden, the guy who's, uh, who's the the manager for the Cubs. In a, in a sense, it's more like a religion. I, I honor them, and I like the Cubs, and I root for them and whatnot, but I don't have a relationship with them. I'm not in the dugout with them. Reconciliation is about relationship. It's not about religion. And so when, when, you, when we're talking about this, it's important that people grasp what real life is about. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. It's about having a relationship with God. It's a whole lot deeper, isn't it? It's one thing to know things. It's another thing to actually daily have a relationship with Jesus. That's why that video, as cheesy as it was, had some good moments in it because this guy's like, what's this Bible doing in your, in your house? Well, why is that on your coffee table? You know, because this guy thought you just brought that out at church. If you just open your Bible at church, well, that's religion. I just sing Christian songs on Sunday mornings. I open my Bible on Sunday mornings because that's the time when we do it. But I don't take it home with me, you know. You take it home with you, that's, that's a whole other level. That's, that, you're, in a, you're involved in a relationship here. I mean, you're like... Taking this seriously, you're, you're reading this, you're spending time with Jesus at home. That's a church thing. You know, when you talk about, it's funny, I don't quite understand it the, these days, how relationships work with the kids, for example. But it's like, you know, it's like, are you dating so-and-so? Like, no, we're just talking. Do you know what that even means? 
I'm like, well, I'm talking to you right now. What is that? What's the point of that? What's the depth of that? Well, we're just talking, talking about having a relationship. We don't even know what level things things are on. It's really strange, but there is there a relationship is something that you bring home with you. Diane and I don't just talk to you. So we come home and we are there. We live life together. It is a relationship, and so reconciliation then again is about a relationship with God that's important which flows into connection relationship or reconciliation is getting things right so that that connection stays strong I was telling Dennis about uh, a story with my dad that I'm ashamed about. I can't remember what we were arguing about. And but and I've shared this before, but there's it occurred to me too, there's only been one person in my entire life that I've ever hit in the face, like in the jaw. That was my father. And at that moment, and I was Dennis's age, maybe a year older. I think I was a junior, so you're a rising junior, close enough. And at that point, and there have been situations you probably know about, that it, when, that it could have been like, you know what, son, I'm done with you. Get out. And there are relationships that have been broken for years and years, Right? over an incident that have never been repaired. A reconciliation has to happen to repair that. And when it's repaired, then there's that continual connection, that relationship. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to God. And so you do see how much bigger that is, in other words, than, than the heaven or hell kind of thing. When you talk about heaven or hell, you're, you're completely missing everything that Scripture really has to say because it's about a relationship with God. It's about knowing God. It's not just about what happens when you die. It's about what happens right now. The connection that we have with God is so much deeper. Why did He make planet Earth if it was just about what happens when we die? Why did he give life to us to begin with if it's all about death? What is this life supposed to be? And so what we believe as a, as a church is the idea of reconciliation so that you understand what connection is, which is the whole aspect of really living life to its fullest. What do you do on planet Earth now that you do know God? What's it all about? What's the point? What's the depth? What's the richness of all of this? And when people don't grasp that and all, you, all they hear about is heaven and hell, there, there's no desire. There's no compunction. There's no, nothing exciting about going to church. Why would I go? And I wouldn't blame them. I want to look at a, at a, at a couple of scriptures this morning to... To, to catch this, okay? Um, 
let's let's fly through this this morning, and I'm uh, we're gonna be here ten more minutes, and that's it. Okay, let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. It's one of my favorite passages, and so let's take a look. Actually, I want to back up a little bit. I always do this to you. I'm sorry, but let's look at 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says this, For the love of Christ controls us or it compels us, okay? Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Jesus, in other words, died for us. Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I want you to think about this for a second. We're going to get further in here, but... When it comes to reconciling, a lot of the reason why it doesn't happen sometimes, if you think about these relationships, is, is that the, each person views the other person as the one in the wrong. You know, And so you're waiting for the other person to come and to kneel before you and to say, I'm sorry for what I've done. But the other person thinks that you're the one it was in the wrong, and they're waiting for you to come. Or maybe that's even happened, but there's still so much bitterness in the heart, there's no real reconciliation. But what's interesting to me is here we have Christ who God makes the first move. And what did he do wrong? Nothing. But he had such a desire... He valued the relationship so much that he was willing to come to give his very life for it. That's the whole John 3.16 thing, right? He loved, he loved you so much that he gave his life. He valued the relationship so much that he made the first move, which is something key to remember when it comes to being good at this, we should be, as Christians, we should be amazing reconcilers. We should always be those who are willing to make the first move. We don't even take into account who's wrong and who did what first. and this, We don't care because it's all about the relationship. And so, verse 16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard Him thus no longer. In other words, we see deeper, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We've we got to view people like this. The past is gone. People we see in front of us are new people because of Christ. Oh, well, you don't know. I, I knew him when he punched his dad in the face. Oh, is that ever going to be gone? Is that ever going to be, is the candy bar incident ever going to be over for you, Eric? <laughs> That's interesting. Interesting. So it's, you're, you still are holding on to it in a different way, you know. 
What if you were to live life unguarded again? But the, but the illustration is, is important, though. You know, because uh, that's, you're just talking about a candy bar, but on a bigger level, where you're like, well, you know, I remember this time with Catherine did this, and so from now on, I'm never going to open my heart like that again. Is that really living? That's not true reconciliation, is it? You know, it's, we don't live guarded. It's, just, it's a different way of continuing to remain unreconciled. I'm not saying this is easy. So Jesus, um, if the old is gone, the new has come, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He said, I showed you how it's done, now you do it. He says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, throwing away the record of sin, right? And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors, representatives, right, for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, who was perfect, right? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When God looks at us, he sees holiness, he sees righteousness because of what he's done for us on the cross. So he's given us this message of reconciliation. He showed us how it was done. He said, now you go do it. People need to be reconciled with God. They need to be reconnected with God. If they're not, they don't grasp what real life is all about. And you've heard me preach this over and over and over. Let's, let's continue. I'm, I promise the 10 minutes. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Can't seem to flip fast enough here. Come on. All right. General Electric Power Company. Colossians 1.20 says this. Once again, I'm backing up. I apologize. 1.19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Once again, we see this idea of of reconciliation, reconciling us with him, but it even talks about reconciling all things in heaven and on earth. In other words, he he is putting everything back together. See how much bigger this is than just heaven and hell kind of stuff? All of life, all it was intended to be, all the things that are broken, all the, all the pieces are going, are going back 
together. Romans chapter 5. Take another step back. Romans 5, verses, verse 10 is where we're starting. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Once again, reconciled to God. Ephesians chapter 1. Turn back to the right. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, or forgiveness, okay? The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, which is what? To unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Once again, putting things back together, bringing all the pieces back together, this, this reconciliation, okay? You know, one of the things that we, we miss is that at the end of the book of Revelation, what we see is a new, a new heaven and a new earth. When it says heaven... We've got to get this idea of heaven as this gold magical place and harps. When you look at the original language, it's talking about the skies, the heavens, the heavens and the earth. It's talking about the skies, the planets, the solar system, all of creation, in other words. It says that God is making a new heaven and a new earth. The top and the bottom, all of it is being renewed, brand new. It was broken. Sin caused more than just our separation from God and distance from Him. All of creation, the way that things are, is broken. It's messed up in some way. It wasn't just about this list of you do this. It's, religion is about a list of things. It was, it was more than that. It was deeper than that. It was about the relationship. God's the one that, that literally, it says in Colossians, holds everything together. Sin had an effect on not just us, but all of creation. It says that he's making everything new, and it talks about him coming to be with us. Heaven, in the sense that you typically think about it, is simply just the place where God dwells. If mankind and heaven are coming together, it's talking about God is our, our relationship is going to keep us as close as we possibly can be. That's incredible. much bigger than what happens when you die. What are we doing right now? This is a whole nother, whole nother chapter. Part of 
thinking through what this means is what does it mean to be a reconciler here and now? For one, it starts off with getting people reconnected with God, which is basically what salvation is. Fixing the relationship. And now that it's fixed, now what? We don't sit around and twiddle our thumbs and wait till we die. Jesus, all the way through the Gospels, when you read it, continues to talk about what the kingdom of God is. And there's passage after passage where he says the kingdom of God is like this. That's like that. And for example, he says it's, you know, it's about forgiveness. It's about the kingdom of God has this aspect of forgiveness that, that forgives the way I forgive. And if I'm willing to forgive, then you would forgive. And so you have this kingdom that's growing, that's spreading of people that are beginning to forgive like God forgives. What would that look like on the planet? People actually begin to forgive other people, actually truly reconcile. There's no record of, of wrongs anymore. What does that look like? If people are beginning to love their enemies, as we were reading about last week, what would that look like? If people begin to put others above themselves, what does that begin to look like? How does that change planet Earth? How does that change? I mean, that really happens? People act that way? That's ridiculous. If, if people begin to put other needs above their own? That's, that's much bigger than we really anticipate. Jesus didn't just tell us to, to be reconcilers for the sake of, 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 of being with him for eternity. It's about what's happening right now. And so we'll, we'll talk about that more in the future. But let's, let's pray. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I haven't asked you to stand all day. So now's the time. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that, that you loved us so much that you gave your life. And you gave your life because you valued a relationship with us. Thank you for, for loving us that much. Lord, help us to, to value the relationship we have with you so that, that we want to truly take advantage of that and spend time with you. Lord, help us to, to research and to understand the, grand, the grandness of, of what life is supposed to be now that we are reconciled, what you've called us to do and how are your representatives and what that means. It's so big and huge, and we you've given us a huge role to play in, in changing this, this earth. And it's only because of you. Lord, help us to spread your kingdom. Lord, as you, as you call us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth as it is where you are. Lord, change things around us. Change our relationships. Change who we are. Change it all, Lord, that it may glorify you. Lord, that we experience what real life is all about. We love you. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen.